Kelly and I, we get to serve the Lord and be in ministry together, but we don't always get to sit together too often because you're either worship leading or preaching. And so I've invited Holly to come and sit with me on the couch this morning. And uh, we wanted to share a little bit of the Word of God together. Is that okay with you? Awesome. Well, it is Valentine's Day coming up, and so uh, we're going to do this together. So sit back, relax, and uh, we're looking forward to being able to share uh, together and to bring you God's Word together today. We have been married 20 years, so happy Valentine's <laughs> Thank Day. Thank you. Thank you. I do love chocolate. You, you do know me. <laughs> 20 years we've been together, and uh, we've had some great adventures, right? We've had, uh, you know, we've learned how to press each other's buttons. We've had multiple challenges through. Uh, I don't know if you believe that or not, but we've persevered through some things. We have. And uh, we've laughed and cried our way through many learning opportunities. So. Yes. You know, I don't know about you guys, but how many, and if you know me, you might have heard this story. I like to test the limits of my gas tank. I don't know if there's anybody here that can, you know, just, just feel my pain there. But when we first got married, I had a 1986 Pontiac 6000. And so, I know, it was a real, it was a real beauty. <laughs> it was an antique at that time. Yes. Um, but one of the things, the special things about this car was that the gas gauge was broken. So it would work from full to half tank. And then from half to empty, it was kind of anyone's guess. Sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't work. Um, but regardless of that, I hated filling my car up with gas. Like I would, I worked at the mall and we had just started pastoring a church and I had about a 20 minute drive through, I drove through the city and then through the farmer's field. So I probably passed three or four gas stations. Three. Maybe three. I counted. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd hit a long country stretch. And usually by the time I pass it and I'd be on the stretch, I'd be going, oh no, I should have stopped. Uh, you know, and I, so I pray my way home. I do not suggest this. This is not a real great way to work on your prayer life, but I'd be like, God, if you could just get me into the driveway. And it would be snowing and the snow's blowing across the fields. God, just get me into the driveway. And I, I didn't have a cell phone at that time. I should have stopped. I realize that. I know that. This happened more than one time, by the way. And I, I have to tell you, like, it was multiple times that I pulled into the driveway and then we couldn't start the car. So... <laughs> I don't know if the Lord heard my prayer or if I just had enough to get me to that spot. But, uh, you know, I think that running, running out of gas, you know, and I wasn't paying attention to the gauges. And, uh, you know, this is, how, this is how we started our marriage. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, we know that uh, not paying attention to the gauges isn't good for our cars, right? It's, whether it's the oil change or the uh, low tire pressure or the check engine light, you know, ignoring those things can lead to catas uh, catastrophic results, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, you just have to ask your mechanic, 
right? If you ignore the gauges, talk to your doctor. If you ignore all the warning signs. Like Ray, Ray this morning, right? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm fine, I'm doctor. Fine. I'm good. Yeah. Whether it's your car, your health, your spiritual life, routine checkups are really important. And when you ignore regular care for your vehicle, you sabotage the life expectancy of your vehicle. But when we ignore re- regular care of our lives, whether it's spiritual, like Dr. Marge talked about last week, relational, emotional, physical, mental, when we ignore the warning signs, it really can sabotage the plans that God has for us. You know, sometimes we look for quick fixes and band-aid solutions instead of looking for wholeness, right? We think if I just have more family time or if I just have, you know, take on a home renovation or recreation, we think about busyness, all of those things, you know, new relationships. Uh, We think about uh, like a job change, career change. Uh, We think shopping therapy, you know, all those things, right? We try to look for something new to fix what's broken in our life. Yeah. Yeah. So the question we're going to ask ourselves in this series is how do we motivate ourselves to make the change before we have to, right? Like how do we choose to eat healthier before we have the heart attack? How do we choose to, to take care of our finances before we hit a crisis? How do we choose to uh, manage our emotional and mental health before we have breakdown or burnout, right? It's and so true. that's what we're talking about uh, in this series. Yeah, I think the trend in our culture is kind of to pursue self-help, right? We hear that a lot, to pursue self care and self-love and 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 those aren't bad things necessarily but I think the problem is when we look to self when we look you know what could I do to make this better we cut out the source that is really the answer that we need we cut out Jesus Christ and so when we're looking at this health check series we're really looking at how can we involve Jesus in the in in helping us check and navigate the gauges in our lives and so we get to talk about marriages today and relationships and uh, so whether you're married or you want to be married, whether you're single and happily single, whether you're single again, uh, I know that we have some things uh, that God's put in our hearts uh, to share with you today. So we got something for everybody. Um, you know, if anything, over the past few years, we've learned the importance of relationships, haven't we? Mm-hmm. We, we have. have. Yeah. <laughs> Is that my cue? That's your cue. (laughs) See, we're just so in sync today. (laughs) We have, you know, I think that the pandemic highlighted a couple things for us. Um, The pandemic highlighted that, you know, we, we, in, in two big ways, one of the ways was the lack of proximity that we had to relationships. Um, we found ourselves maybe more isolated, maybe working from home or not able to connect with friends and family. And so is what happened is that, that um, you know, that we, we had to really work at these relationships. Maybe you had to make Zoom calls or, or uh, you know, just, just more more work went into it because you weren't casually seeing people um, at the office and running into them maybe, you know, along your journey. And so some of us really found uh, that isolation um, during the pandemic. Some people loved it, right? All the introverts were like, this is amazing. Uh, Others of us struggled with it. We had a lack of proximity. We also had increased proximity, right? How many were at home, maybe working from home? We had kids at home uh, certain times. I, I love 
love this quote. It says, uh, before marrying someone, listen long and hard to the way they chew, because that's the soundtrack for the rest of your life. <laughs> so we have yes. this increased proximity, right? It's true. Well, marriage and family therapists have actually reported seeing an increase of calls for, for support during and after the pandemic, which is to be expected. I'm sure nobody here is surprised, because all relationships involve a degree of conflict, every single one of them. And, um, you know, especially during stressful times. So we think about the things that really cause stress in relationships. We think about financial stress. We think about disagreements about parenting and, you know, even simple things about household chores, who does what, but it kind of all revolves around this area of conflict. What happens when you face conflict in your marriage, in your friendships, in your family life, and how do you deal with that? We're always navigating conflict, right? Day to day, moment to moment. There's always tension to navigate. But times of crisis or stress really amplify what's already there. Uh, or it really um, exposes what's underneath the surface, right? And so it's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, when tough times, rough patches pop up in a relationship, uh, we have some tendencies. And this is what we really wanted to talk about today. And often the tendency is to create distance, isn't it? The tendency when something challenging comes up is to avoid conflict. The tendency is to build a wall. And so the solution, or maybe not the solution, but a tool that is really valuable, I think about this often in my relationships, it's rarely found in creating more distance, and that is our natural reaction. Um, But when tough times come, instead of pulling away to create distance, we actually need to lean in and close the gap. You know, instead of distancing ourselves, we actually need to get closer. And instead of checking out, we actually need to check in. It's counterintuitive to what you feel like you need to do in those moments. So who's ready to do some health checks (laughs) on your relationship today? All right. Okay. Well, we're doing it anyway, so it's going to be good. You know, as a Christian community, we know that God has a lot to say about our relationships. In fact, they're his idea. You know, and here's the thing that we need to know. Before God ever dealt with humanity's sin problem, he actually dealt with something else. And it's found in Genesis 2.18. And before we get to Genesis 2.18, we see uh, Genesis 1, and, and probably you might be familiar with this, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see that God separated the land and the sea and God saw it and it was good. We see that God created the plants and the trees and the vegetation and God saw it and it was good. We see that he created the sun and moon and stars and he saw it and it was good. He, he created the waters they, you know, and all the animals and the, the fish that swarmed the waters and God created it and it was good. And he created the forest and the wildlife and the livestock and God created it and it was good. So we see all that as we open the Bible right at the beginning. And after so much good, then we get to Genesis 2.18. And it's the first time that God ever says, this is not good. And so we need to pay attention. It's, it, the Lord said, uh, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is just right for him. So the first thing that we see that God addresses in humanity isn't sin, but it's actually solitude. 
And we see that. And then in, uh, in the, as this verse, chapter continues, it says that explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And so marriage and relationship uh, is God's idea. And, you know, before we go any further, we just want to recognize that there's no relationship, uh, not even marriage, that can take the place of God or fulfill what the Lord fulfills. No relationship can define your identity. No relationship can heal your brokenness. No relationship can offer complete fulfillment. And sometimes we see, you know, we can be tempted to go to uh, people in our lives to, to, to give us this. But it's important to recognize marriage, relationship, family, whatever the relationship is, no one can do that for you. Only Jesus can offer identity. Only Jesus can heal your brokenness. Only he can give you fulfillment. But at the center of marriage, at the center of every relationship that you're in, really is at the heart is two imperfect people in need of a savior. And, and we come together, you know, as God's intent in partnership and in intimacy and encouragement to pursue God together, but not to find that we are completing each other because only God can do that. Didn't Tom Cruise say that in that movie? <laughs> like, you complete me, right? Maybe I, don't know. I think so. But here's the thing. I think that marriage and relationships, weren't me they're not meant to be a source of frustration and hurt. We see that God intended it to be a source of help and of, um, you know, blessing. And so with that, we want to look at four keys to help us experience health and blessing and flourishing marriages and relationships. It is found in Colossians uh, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to read this together. Uh, verse 12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Well, first things first here, and this is key number one if you're writing this down. The first thing to have great relationships is to work on you. And so first things first, in order to be in a healthy relationship, you need to be a healthy individual. Um, because hurting people hurt people. And, and nobody sets out to hurt the people they love. Nobody sets out to, to damage and destroy with our words and our actions. But not dealing with the things in us often means you take it out on the people that you love the most. Yeah. And so when we feel that emptiness, brokenness, marriage isn't the source of, of wholeness and fixing that, is it? You know? We need to begin with God's work in us. Mm -hmm. And so not God's work in my spouse, not God's work in you know, my parents or my kids or my, you know, that's not where we begin. We begin with God's work in us. And our passage highlights that because in Colossians 3, 12 to 14, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must. 
So not the person sitting beside you. It doesn't say they must. It says you must. That's, this is for you. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then verse 14 says, above all, clothe yourself in love, which, which binds us together. So we got to work on us. No matter who you are in this room, that's a really great place to start. You know, those are the qualities we need for solid marriage, isn't it? It is. And we think that marriage is going to create those qualities in us. So it just gives us opportunities to grow those qualities for sure. But really, marriage is just a mirror that reveals what's already there. Listen, if you are impatient before you get married, marriage is going to highlight your impatience, right? Everyone, you can come up with your own examples of this in your mind. Maybe you can think of, if you're not married, you can think of a friendship or a family member. Uh, if you are not humble before you were married, marriage is going to highlight your pride, isn't it? And if you can't control your temper, marriage will fuel your anger. Marriage will definitely fuel your temper. It is like a giant mirror that is put up in front of yourself, and, and, and we have to work on us. I never thought I was an angry person until I had kids, actually. <laughs> That's true. But I had a short period where I was praying for the Lord for patience and anger management. But marriage is really a mirror that reveals what's already there, right? It's not the person bringing it out in you. It's just reflecting uh, what's already there. So when you have that vibrant relationship with God and you're saying, Holy Spirit, would you produce the fruit of the Spirit uh, in my life, then you bring those fruits into the relationship. Yeah, Matthew 22 says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is saying, love God. You know, that's crucial. Love others but it's also saying love yourself and if you don't love yourself you won't love others well either and so again loving yourself doesn't just mean self-help it means allowing God to fill your emptiness allowing God to fill your mind with his thoughts his identity his perspective of you and let me just encourage you that this this is not just um, something we got to work on because it's important for our mental health it actually affects our relationships. How I view myself affects me in the relationship. And so it's important that we, we love God, that we love ourselves, that we love others. Yeah, and so whether we're married or single or uh, single again, we can ask ourselves, how am I displaying mercy? How am I displaying gentleness and kindness and love to the people around me? How am I making room uh, for God to transform me in these ways so that I'm whole and bringing health to my marriage and to all the relationships, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let me just encourage, if you're, if you're single here for a moment, because as we talk about identity, establishing your identity in Christ apart from your spouse, I want to encourage you in this, that there's, as we're talking, there's wholeness, fulfillment, and purpose in your life without being married. Jesus wasn't married, and Paul did it, and the goal is not marriage unless you want it to be married. Sometimes in church culture, it feels like the goal is marriage, but that's not true as we look at scripture. The goal of our life is to love God and 
pursue wholeness, um, and to be in relationship with people around us to be living on mission for God. And so 1 Corinthians 7.32 celebrates how an unmarried person is actually free to spend more time on the work of the Lord. And so we want to encourage you today, if you find yourself in that situation, whatever your relationship status, work on you. You say that with me? Work on me. Work on me. All right. The second key is this. Maintain a foundation of trust and transparency. Uh, the passage we're going through, uh, verse 13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know, relations, ca- uh, they cause things in our life to be exposed. Right? You know, that's actually one of the reasons why we need relationship, why we need community, uh, why we need accountability is because we need each other and we need to let people close enough to us to help us with our blind sides. It's true. When you're living alone, you can live however you want. You can leave your laundry however you're wa- you want, but when you invite somebody into your life, they see the real you. They see the flaws. They see the shortcomings. They see your messes. Why are you looking at <laughs> Oh, I didn't mean to be looking that way. <laughs> I should have a redo of that. Okay, so so true story. Okay, I'll tell you a real story. Before, right before we were getting married, I was working at, at the mall at a clothing store, and uh, we got discounted clothing. And so I had so much clothes that I could wear different clothes every day for a month. Every day for a month, yeah. <laughs> And so that also meant I didn't need to do laundry. So beside my bed, I had a pile of laundry that was as tall as my bed. And so it was a month's worth of clothes beside my bed. And no one ever knew that I had that mess at home because we every day... We were dating and I didn't know because I wasn't, you know... Yeah, you saw me just... wearing clean clothes every day. You're just like, this guy is clean. Look at this, you know? <laughs> So Holly, she came over to help me pack. We're getting ready to get married and move out together. And she came and she discovered my laundry pile and decided to help me with it a little bit. And as we got to the bottom of the laundry pile, there was a banana (laughs) on the floor. Now the banana was not yellow, it was actually black. And the peel was actually empty because a banana had liquefied and seeped into the hardwood floor. And there was a banana crescent shape on the hardwood floor. I was like, we are not living like this. (laughs) I think we were maybe a week away from our our wedding and we're like, okay, something's got to change. I've changed. Yes. I've changed. (laughs) I want you to know. I'm a bit of a neat freak now. (laughs) But there is no other relationship that highlights our vulnerabilities in, in it. Uh, insecurities and actually exposes our sin like marriage and sometimes we're tempted to keep things hidden because we're afraid of the consequences or we're afraid of rejection Um, and the enemy would love for you to believe that what you are the only one struggling that you should just keep that in isolation do not tell someone close don't be accountable to anybody nobody will understand what you're facing and you need to keep your secret a sin your sin a secret at all costs. That's what the enemy will drive into your heart and mind. But when it comes to transparency and exposing our sin, I want you to know that it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance. It's his kindness that puts you in relationship, whether you're in a married relationship, whether you are unmarried and you have people around you that are accountable. It's his kindness that people are in your life so that they can help to keep you accountable um, and expose some of those blind sides in you. It's because 
because of his love that he allows things to be exposed in our life. Yeah, and then uh, I love what James says, confess your sins one to each other, another so that you may be healed. Yeah. It brings wholeness when we expose what's going on in our life. It's true. You know, we realize that trust needs to be built before transparency can be had. And, and that's so important in your marriage and in your relationships. So one way to build trust <coughs> and encourage transparency is when people are being transparent with you, uh, how do you respond to them, right? As you got to respond the way that you would want to be responded to. Yeah. You know, uh, setting a safe tone, really, and understanding that as, uh, as friends or as a married couple, we're on the same team. Yeah. Right? We're on the same team. How, you know, there's so much in the world that would want to divide us, that would want to pit us against each other, that we need to be uh, each other's biggest encouragers. Mm-hmm. It's true. If I have a negative response to Jer when it comes to little everyday things, and, you know, maybe it's the laundry, maybe it's coming home late from work, whatever it is, if I respond uh, negatively in those areas, how is he going to trust me with big things? And so as we talk about about responding the way you'd want to be responded to, laying a foundation of trust. This is so important because it it doesn't mean we don't talk about those little things, but I have to learn how I respond. My reaction or Jer's reaction is so important because if we can win in the small things, if we can learn how to respond in the small things and build a foundation of trust, then it helps you to respond with grace when something big happens. When something that is more significant happens, you know that there is a good foundation of trust. You know that there is a good foundation uh, of care and love there. And so how we respond in the small things makes a big difference. It's not that we condone everything, but how we respond really can either like slow down or pause the freedom that someone has in their life uh, or it can really accelerate it mm-hmm. you know and so I've noticed that a lot with my kids how I respond to them you know when they're sharing things with me can either pause or like ah, like I, why did I why did I broach this subject why did I share this you know it could really pause the freedom that God wants to bring or it can accelerate it yeah. you know and it just can say like hey let's let's do this together mm-hmm. you know let's let's face this and thanks for sharing that with me yeah trust needs to be built before transparency can be had and let me just encourage you today if there is trust that's been broken in a relationship especially a marriage relationship depending on the severity I would strongly encourage, you know, there are some places where you might need to bring in some professional help, someone to walk with you together, uh, to walk through the path of healing and restoration. There are some times where we just need someone else to help us with the tools. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Key number three is just create an atmosphere of peace. How many want an atmosphere of peace in your homes, in your relationship, uh, in your marriage? Uh, The verse we said, let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. And uh, so the key thing to remember is that you can't bring peace into your relationship if you don't have peace in your heart. I I love what Isaiah 26 says. It says that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. 
Mm-hmm. Again, our relationships benefit from what God is doing in us, first as individuals and then as a couple or in your relationship. So when it comes to keeping the peace, sometimes people resort to just keeping their mouth shut. I'm going to keep the peace by keeping my mouth shut and sweeping things under the rug. We avoid confrontation, but really you're only delaying dealing with the issue that will compound over time and become more damaging. And so so let me just encourage you, when things compound, it is harder to deal with. And so I want to ask you, is there anything under the rug in your relationship? It might be a great conversation for at some point this week. Is there anything under, under the rug in our relationship? Let's keep, let's keep our accounts short. Keeping the peace is different than peacemaking, right? And so that's really what we're going for. We want to be peacemakers and not just peacekeepers. Uh, how do we know that things that you delay dealing with get bigger over time? They get uh, more uh, traumatic. And, and we don't want to be tripping over things <laughs> under the rug in our relationship. Uh, here's three strategies. <clears throat> Three strategies we found for creating an atmosphere of peace in your relationship. Uh, Men, you could write this down. Ladies, you could write this down too. But the first one is this. Admit your mistakes and say, I'm sorry. You just practice. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Turn to the neighbor beside you. Just tell them I'm sorry. Whoever you're sitting beside, just tell them I'm sorry. Turn to the other neighbor and say, I'm sorry. I probably did something this morning. We're good Canadians, but sometimes in relationships, the people we love and care about, it's a hard word to say. We can say it to the person that at the mall or you know sorry you go first sorry sorry but when it really comes down to it <laughs> marriage is a great place to practice saying I'm sorry you know we're, uh, we're we've got to be quick to admit our mistakes rather than holding out for our spouse to admit theirs mm-hmm. right if we're just holding out for them to admit their mistakes, what kind of atmosphere is that creating in our relationship, right? We want to be on the same team. It's not a, it's not a competition. You know, I've had to learn this. You know, there's times where I, we're arguing, whatever, and halfway through my argument, I'll realize that I'm wrong. Maybe halfway through your sentence. Halfway through my sentence. <laughs> and like the warning bells are going off and saying, you're wrong. <laughs> How many, anyone ever experienced that? <laughs> Right? right, you're like mid-sentence and you're like, I should just stop right now or I could keep going. <laughs> a, right? a, a, a switch have... flips, a switch flips and you go, am I going to keep digging my heels in because I know I'm wrong or am I going to actually just say it? Am I just going to say, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Ruth Belgram says this, a good marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And so that's a good, <laughs> good thing to remember. The second strategy to keeping peace is to face issues together. And so scorekeeping doesn't work when you're on the same team, does it? Doesn't, it doesn't work when, you, when, you're, when you're on the same team. Your marriage isn't about individual wins because every time one of you wins, the other loses, and that's a loss for the marriage. That's a loss for the relationship. If your relationships are keeping score, and, and every time there's a win and a loss, it's a loss for everyone. So recognize you're on the same team. You're fighting, uh, you're fighting for the wins together, and that's really the key to success there. Remember that you are, what is your goal? What's the goal in the conflict? What's the goal in what you're facing? And make sure that you're on the same page about what that goal is and work together towards that. That's good. I love this next one. It's fight fair. How many love fighting in their relationship? (laughs) Anyone? Studies show that the number of disagreements in a relationship don't actually contribute to marital happiness. 
It's more about how a couple handles disagreement. Mm -hmm. So it's not the number of disagreements you have, but how you handle it that yeah. determines whether you have a happy ha relationship. Happy couples don't avoid conflict, but they know how to handle it in, in healthy ways. And so the goal of, of conflict resolution is to resolve conflict. <laughs> yeah, instead of trying to win the argument, nurture the relationship. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So there's um, some destructive patterns that, uh, that sometimes we can fall in. And, and conflict can actually strengthen your relationship. It can help you understand each other better. It can help you work through things. So don't avoid the conflict, but avoid the destructive habit, habits. And here's some things. We have some ground rules when, when we argue, when we fight. It does happen occasionally. <laughs> um, and here's... here's some of our ground rules that we have. We don't use accusing statements. So those are you always or you never. We're never a trying, we're trying to not accuse each other of something. We're trying not to belittle each other. Try not to interrupt or ignore. And so those are some great ground rules. Uh, when, when those things happen, elevate, you get elevated frustration. You say things you regret. You make it impossible, really, to have productive conversation moving forward. You're not attacking the person in the relationship. You're trying to tackle the problem. Exactly. So those you statements puts you on the defensive, and then you don't have a proper relationship, uh, conversation. Yeah. Uh, here's how to fight fair. So be in the moment. What are we actually fighting about right now? Like, don't bring up the past. Don't bring up all the other things that we've thought about before. Don't bring up multiple topics. What is the thing that we're trying to resolve right now? Be in the moment. Be one topic at a time. You know, what is it that we're actually trying to overcome? Uh, you know, like you said, don't use you statements. Instead of being accusatory, uh, talk about how it makes me feel. How it makes me feel like this. Instead of you, you do this, it says it makes me feel you know, a certain way. I, I'm feeling a certain way. Talk about it like that. Uh, no name calling ever in a relationship, right? Name calling is just disrespectful and it shuts down the conversation. Uh, it's never helpful. Uh, and here's just a tip. Don't be running to family and friends uh, during every fight. There's times when you might need to take a little bit of a break and take a time out. But when you're running to your family and friends uh, with every issue that comes up, what happens is that you actually uh, reconcile or resolve with your spouse, uh, but your, your family don't get that chance. And so they can have third-party offense that builds up over time uh, because they don't get that chance to resolve the conflict like you did. It's true. Well, this is our final key for you today. Uh, have a mission in mind for your relationship. Uh, our verse from Colossians in verse 17, it says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And I love this verse. Whatever you do, do it in a way that represents Jesus. Whatever relationship that you're in, whatever conflict that you're in, whatever you're facing, do it in a way that represents Jesus. And so as we wrap up our health check on marriages and relationships today, I want to encourage you today God actually has a mission in mind for your relationships. The purpose for your relationships, it's not solely on, you know, your happiness. It's not solely on, you know, just so you can be secure in, in life. Um, but God wants you to represent Jesus to the world through the way you love each other. 
Our relationship should be uh, a picture to the world of God's love for, for each other, for us. And so model the deep love and the faithfulness that God has for the church um, through your marriage. Reflect God's care, reflect his compassion, reflect his forgiveness in our, in our friendships. Model the love of Jesus in our relationships. And yeah, I love that. Have a mission in mind. How is God using our marriage, our relationship, our friendship to model his love to that other person and to the world? It's really great. Well, we've been talking about this idea of a health checkup. And so today you might be here, you're like, hey, we're pretty good. I'm happy with where things are at. And that's awesome. Like, keep it going. Keep checking in with each other. Keep talking about where there might be opportunities uh, to grow. Maybe as we've been talking, you might uh, recognize some areas of concern. Maybe you've, there's some work that you've avoided. Uh, maybe there's some things under the carpet in your marriage, in your relationships. Um, can I encourage you today that the work is worth the investment? It might feel like things are okay today, so I don't want to rock the boat. But you know, you know that when something comes up, um, there, there's a whole load of things under that carpet that, that might come up with it. And let me encourage you that God uh, wants your marriage to be, your relationships to be, uh, just a place where you could even see His love for you um, and, and know His love for you in an incredible way. And so the work is worth the investment. And so I'd encourage you to have some courageous conversations. I'd encourage you today, whatever conversations might be coming your way, to have a grace-filled response um, and really put Christ at the very center, at the center of your relationships. Maybe there's some healing that needs to happen and nobody wants that healing more than Jesus Christ. And so put him right at the center. He cares about your relationship health. He's deeply invested in your relationships. Yeah, maybe you're here and you feel like there's some things that are out of your control and maybe you've been hurt or betrayed or wounded. Uh, I just want you to know today that God is a God of restoration. I've seen it so many times. Uh, don't be discouraged that your story uh, isn't what you planned or had hoped. Uh, I know that God wants to restore you, heal you, uh, renew you, and wants to make something beautiful out of imperfection. That's what he does for all of us. Out of our imperfections, he brings beauty. Well, we pray that you'd be hopeful and healthy in your relationships today. Uh, can we pray together? And uh, we're going to pray, and then we're just going to just invite God to speak to us. And uh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you. God, on this uh, week that we celebrate love and uh, celebrate what you've done in our lives, Lord Jesus, Lord, that just means so many different things to so many different people. Uh, God, that we are all in different relationships. Uh, God, some of us are in marriages that are flourishing, and others of us would say that we're in marriages that some need some care, maybe some even intervention on your behalf. Lord God, some of us are uh, looking for love, and others of us find ourselves single and single again. Lord Jesus, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, and that we would find fulfillment and peace, uh, and just that sense of, of your love and your hand upon us, God, that we'd be surrounded by people who love us and care about us, Lord Jesus, that our relationships would really be a source of hope and blessing and really a reflection of your love to this world. 
Uh, Lord, we pray for those that uh, are in a good place. Lord, let them continue to develop the skills and communication. Lord, we pray for those that are in struggling in certain relationships. Jesus, we pray. And Lord, as we work on ourselves and as we draw closer to you, that you would develop your character qualities in us and uh, that you would bring uh, healing and restoration to those relationships, we pray. Uh, Lord God, we just thank you for every opportunity that we have to encourage one another in the love that you've uh, bestowed on us. In Jesus' name we pray.